Hey guys, it's Graham. Uh, this episode, the recording of it was a little weird. We actually recorded the intro about a month before we recorded the second part of it. That was because the first DVD we had was faulty. Then we found another DVD that was also faulty. So then there was a bit more of a hunt before we could find a version of the film that we could actually watch so we could talk about it. Uh, still, this is a fun episode. Hope you enjoy it. Bye. 40 years had passed since Blood Feast had shocked unexpected audiences with its use of extreme blood and gore in full color. In the time since Blood Feast released, the producing and directing team behind it had a bitter falling out and a happy reunion decades later. David F. Friedman and Herschel Gordon Lewis's Blood Trilogy had been forgotten and rediscovered a few times. First in the 1970s with triple bills of Blood Feast, 2000 Maniacs, and Color Me Blood Red, then again on janky VHS tapes in the 1980s. In the 1990s, a small-time bootlegger out of Seattle, Washington by the name of Mike Rainey started releasing exploitation and sexploitation films that he acquired from a closing film depot. Several of these belonged to David Friedman. Friedman was pissed and wanted to find out who this punk stealing his movies was. So he actually called the number that was on one of the bootleg videos he found and on the other end picked up Mike Vrainey. David Friedman was shocked that Mike Vrainey was actually happy to have heard from him. He wanted to release his movies legitimately. Friedman partnered with Rainey and they released his films, many of which sold well. This led to Friedman contacting Lewis in order to license the films in the Blood Trilogy. This kickstarted a new appreciation of Blood Feast and its siblings and resulted in screenings across North America and Europe. Uh, we should point out that this video label was actually called Something Weird Video as an homage to Herschel Gordon Lewis's film Something Weird. With the dawn of the highly profitable DVD market, low-budget producers smelled blood in the water and approached Lewis and Friedman to make a sequel to their first gore film. And it's the movie we're here to talk about tonight, Blood Feast 2, All You Can Eat. It's Death by Video! It's time to watch a movie you never seen there might be some ninjas or a crazy death machine there'll be smiles and there'll be tears you won't watch another movie for about 600 years it's time for death by video Phil. I'm Kit. And I'm Graham Sicklin. I can't speak at all. And I'm Graham saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem. We are tackling the early 2000s Blood Feast 2 All You Can Eat. Now. You as in just the letter U as well. It's got that yeah. early 2000s. Look. Yeah. Or it was written. Homage to Prince. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I just want to run through. Um. The film, so, like, in between, this is a hard movie to talk about because it's so different from the earlier Blood Trilogy films. Like, we all agree that the early Blood Trilogy films, the first, early, there's only three of them, the first three Blood Trilogy films um, are fun. And, like, they've got, like, a, you know, they've got gore, which is shocking, but they also kind of have a sense of humor that allows them to be watchable and it's not just a painful experience. Um, With this film, this one wasn't written by Friedman or Lewis. It was written by another person who we'll get into later. And... It's very early 2000s. It's very raunchy. This is the post-American pie, the rise of, like, you know, frat comedy. And that also colors this film as well. And I should also point out that I haven't been able to find more sources on it, but uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis kind of disowned this movie after it was finished because the producer and writer kind of took over and put made things their own way. So, and we'll get into that when we talk about the movie. Uh, but before we get into all that, has anyone seen anything interesting since we last recorded? It's been a, a very brief time. I only have two titles that I've seen since we last recorded. Uh, Phil, what have you seen since we last recorded? Okay, uh, I've seen three movies. Uh, one's a rewatch, so I uh, rewatched uh, Phantom Thread on a Valentine's Day. and uh, Nice. Still a classic. The movie's less than five years old, but it's... It's, it's a classic. It's, it's, it's a classic. Yeah. Um... First watch, uh, I watched uh, Zebra Head, uh, the 1992 movie. I think it was Michael Rappaport's first movie, or at least one of his first movies. Yeah. Cool. And that one, um, it goes a bit sideways in the third act, but it is it is a solid movie. It's on the Criterion channel. Cool. 
Um, I also watched uh, Love and Basketball. Oh, nice. That's a much more Valentine's Day. Yes, kind of movie. yeah, yeah. So uh, mm-hmm. that's a. I I liked it more than I was expecting. It was. It's it's gotten a bit of a reappraisal in like the oh, decades. Oh yeah, big since. time! It's gone like a Criterion release even. Yeah, well, so that's I, a huge cult following at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the year in film podcast that Hollywood Suite does uh, talked about it on one of their episodes, mm-hmm. and it kind of made me want to go and check it out. I think I'd seen it's part on of Tubi it. now. Oh, okay, cool. I'll give yeah. it a shout, shout out there. Check out there. There's a lot of good stuff on Tubi these oh, yeah. days. Yeah. Cool. All right, Kit. What have you seen since we've last recorded? Um, I've only seen one film. Okay. Uh, I saw the 2011 um, Jeff Nichols film Take Shelter. Oh, okay, that's uh, Michael Shannon and old uh, Jessica Chastain. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, what what's his face is in it too? Shea Wiggum. Okay, cool. Uh, did you ever see that one? No, I've heard it's really good though. I did like it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it. Like it's kind of about it's about like uh, uh, schizophrenia, mental illness, and stuff like that. Oh, but yeah. then. Also, uh, well, anyway, it could it could very easily uh, be the biggest QAnon movie ever, just because <laughs> of all the storm rhetoric. Bigger than White Squall. <laughs> yeah. it's it's all about like Michael Shannon going. There's a storm coming, the likes which you've never seen, and none of you are prepared for it. And uh, all this storm imagery and encroaching storm stuff, and I'm like, this has just got. I'm I'm, I'm sure they've never uh, discovered it, and probably never will, but. Until now. <laughs> Most of our listeners are QAnon followers. Yeah, I agree. I hope to God. <laughs> We're in trouble. Because we spread the truth of Q every day here. Yeah, sure. No, um, no, no, then, no, 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 we don't. <laughs> I'm talking about Q, the CBC radio program. Ah, uh, yes. It's a, it exists. Hosted by Tom Power. Uh, hosted by Tom Power. I insist yeah. that it exists. Uh, mm-hmm. These people who say that there is no Q. Yeah, you just got to tune into CBC every morning. That's You'll right. hear it there. Um, and then that's it for me, but I also did want to, uh, special shout out, special RIP to the director of, I think the best movie we'd all agree ever made. Um, the Godfather of film. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think uh, best movie ever made is <laughs> quite, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll say RIP it. to a Canadian legend, Ivan Reitman. Yes. Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I watched Ghost, but like, I'm pretty sure I've still seen Ghostbusters more than any other movie in history. I pretty much based most of my personality off of Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, me too. I was always a Ray, Ray Stans guy. Oh, I was always a Peter Venkman. Of course. I know. Yeah. You're our Egon, obviously. Yeah, sure. <laughs> we still don't have a Winston. And a Janine. And a Janine, yeah. And I mean, a Slimer. I mean, Lillian was kind of our Janine for a while. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll get a pet, and that'll be our Slimer. Um, yeah, or Lewis. Tully I mean, as well. yeah. So we should point out that like we we all live in Toronto, and the Reitman family is from Toronto, and they actually at uh, the corner of King and John, where the great cinema, the Tiff Bell Lightbox, currently stands, uh, was the Ivan Wright or not the Ivan, but the Reitman family dry. Um, what was it? Uh, car wash that uh, that Ivan Reitman's father started. And they've they own that land for a long time, and it's actually incredibly profitable. And uh, when it came time for Tiff to build like a permanent home base, the Reitman family actually just donated the land free of charge to Tiff to use. So we have to thank them as for at least for the land that they donated for the Tiff Bell Lightbox to give us this great cultural institution that we can go and see good movies at in good presentation with good audiences and good popcorn. Here, here. Um, yeah, and uh, I've been writing as well. Like, I'm a big fan of you know what? I really like his film Dave. Uh, oh, Kevin the, on, unsung a, hero, the Kevin Klein Sigourney Weaver um, yeah. classic. Well, not classic. Nobody remembers Dave, but yeah, uh, got a rewatchables. Uh, done, uh, it's episode. it's amazingly implausible, Dave, because it's yeah. like this man has an exact duplicate on this earth. Well, the whole thing is that he's not exact, but he's very. They even like change Kev, do, Kevin do Klein's they, face when he's playing the president, the real president, slightly. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a, it's a great charming film about doesn't when Doesn't he like, also like bang the first lady when he's pretending to be the president? No, that no, doesn't happen? no, no, okay. that doesn't happen. They, yeah, no, they. I only saw this when I was a kid, they but only, I do fondly remember it. Yeah, they only kiss at the end. He also did twins. When she already knows. Yeah, yeah. Like after, after he's like given up and now he's running for like local alderman or something. Like he decided, I actually want to get involved in politics because, um, and he also did, uh, twins, of course. He did that weird film Evolution with uh, David Duchovny and oh, with Orlando the head Jones. Head and shoulders product placements. Yeah. Oh yes. Well, that, he wanted to do a Ghostbusters three so bad, and they wouldn't let him. So, Evolution. So, yeah. Um, Cannibal and, Girls. I was going to say Cannibal Girls, which is a great 
uh, a great, great Canadian film from the 70s starring uh, Andrea Levy and Eugene... What? No. Andrea Martin and Eugene Levy. I was going to say... <laughs> they, they never Eugene Martin. Martin and Andrea Levy? That's not right. Um, but yeah. and Stripes uh, as well. Stripes. Um, Kindergarten Cop. Yeah. He's also very important in David Cronenberg's career because it was Ivan Reitman going to Cinepix, which used to be a production company that eventually evolved to Astral Media, um, that convinced them like, hey, you should fund this uh, this weird kid's first movie, um, Invasion of the Blood Parasites, uh, which was became Shivers by David Cronenberg. And he also, I think he also produced uh, Rabbit as well. So, I so yeah. yeah, so he, he, like, without him, we wouldn't have, you know, our, our famous Uncle Dave. That's what all Canadians refer to David Cronenberg as. He is everyone's uncle here yeah. in Canada. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. Like, if, you, if you're hungry, he'll give you a sandwich. You, you can go and sit on his knee. Yeah. I'll tell you about what it was like making Crash. Um, <laughs> on to my picks for the, or not my picks, but the I've only seen two movies. I watched the um, late period uh, Italian Giallo, Nothing Underneath, underneath from 1985, um, which was surprisingly enjoyable. I like, I initially like wasn't going to watch it because it just seemed like there's a whole glut of like the Italian film industry in the 80s just fell right off a cliff. And even like everyone was seemed to be off their game except for um, Argento and, and Fulci. Yeah, but except, but Fulci got sick, so then he, he was off his game, unfortunately. But um, nothing underneath, directed by Carlo Vanzina. Um, it's the standard like uh, fashion models in Italy, and one of them uh, gets killed. But she has a twin brother in the United States who can sense her her death overseas. So he travels from the United States to Italy to try and like find out what happened to her. Um, it features Donald Pleasance in it as a Italian inspector doing a very very dodgy Italian accent <laughs> which also makes the film even more charming because like he doesn't speak no one in this film speaks Italian it's also weird to watch an Italian film where they actually record on set dialogue because this is around the time when they started like recording their audio on set as opposed to doing post dubbing which I think happened like around 83 or 84 because this was 85. But it's, yeah, it's a, it's a fun film. Chocked full of unnecessary nudity to the point where like, I'm pretty sure they shot the movie and then they went in and shot like inserts of naked women afterwards because <laughs> it always happens off screen. Like a character will look, open up a window and look outside and see like a naked woman in the window across the street, but they're never in the same frame together. So I'm pretty sure the producers were like, you gave us a movie with no nudity. We're going to go out and shoot some nudity. And that's, that's you know, that's how Italians talk. I apologize. I love I love Italy and Italians and pasta. Um, it's it's great. Um, Mamma mia. I actually listened to, uh, I've been writing or uh, working, I kind of was asked to, to pitch on a, a Western, and I spent uh, one very long night writing the first third of a Western revenge movie while listening to nothing but Ennio Morricone soundtracks. So, nice. Uh, yeah, it was quite good. And some Riz Ortolani, just for good luck. Uh, and then the other film, I've, I needed to take a break. I've been watching so much like horror and schlock and also like high-end cinema as well on top of it that I needed a little a little breather. So I watched I Want You Back, which is a 2022 movie. It is a... the Charlie Day romantic Charlie comedy? Charlie Day romantic comedy. I watched it because... <laughs> well, the main reason I watched it is because Jenny Slate's in it, and I'm a huge fan of Jenny Slate's uh, work. She's great in... She's great on Parks and Recreation, uh, but she's really good in the two films, um, Landline and Obvious Child. Not sure. Have you guys seen either of those films? I've seen Obvious Child. And you, I, I, hmm? you haven't seen Landline? No. I have not seen either. Did you like Obvious Child? It was okay. Okay, I was expecting a no. but um, It was an okay movie. Was... Yeah. I mean, this movie is only okay, too. Like, I, I wouldn't go out of this way to say it's great. It's also long. It's two hours for a God damn, romantic no. comedy. Yeah, I know. It's like you could, could have snipped out, easily snipped out 30 minutes. But um, it's just also weird because, like, at a certain point, I'm kind of like, Charlie Day is in his 40s. It's weird to see him playing. But then again... Billy Crystal's in his 40s and the 80s when he was doing romantic con- when he was in When Harry Met Sally and that spanned him being a university student uh, to now too. Oh, yeah. yeah okay so that's what we watched okay so um, before we get into this I want to talk about the years in between Color Me Blood Red and Blood Feast 2 All You Can Eat before we start before we stop and watch Blood Feast 2 so in the years between Color Me Blood Red and Blood Feast 2 both Friedman and Lewis remained busy Friedman went back to his nudie cutie and roughy roots. Um, say that five times, roughy roots. Um, and while he despised, he actually despised hardcore pornography because 
he was more into selling the sizzle than the steak, and he didn't really he didn't like it because that's when the mob got involved. Uh, in addition to like you know he's like let's let's keep some stuff in the bedroom like let's let's you know again sell the sizzle not the steak. Uh, however, somehow he became the president of the Adult Film Association of America because he was very much involved in um, the Richard Nixon um, Commission on Obscenity that uh, happened in the 60s, which allowed nudity, like more widespread nudity in in mainstream films. But we'll get into that in a bit. So here's the films that David Friedman made between Call Me Blood Red and Blood Feast 2. The Defilers, Pussy Galore. (laughs) The Notorious Daughter of Fanny Hill. A Smell of Honey, A Swallow of Brine. But Charlie, I never played volleyball. That sounds good. She Freak, not to be confused with She Beast or She Man. Uh, the Brick Dollhouse, which could be confused with the Big Dollhouse and the Big Birdcage. Um, the Acid Eaters, The Lustful Turk, The Headmistress, Brand of Shame, A Sweet Sickness, Space Thing, which actually became a surprising hit on video when it was re-released by Something Weird Video in the 1990s. The nautical erotic film Var She Blows, The Ramrodder, the Ribald Tales of Robin Hood, Starlet, Starlet, Love Camp 7, which was actually a Canadian film that launched the disreputable Nazi, Nazi, Nazi exploitation subgenre, The Diamond Stud, Traitor Horny, that's Horny spelled H-O-R-N-E-E, The Joys of Jezebel, Jezebel, Red, White, and Blue, which is actually a documentary about the Richard Nixon Commission on Obscenity, Siegfried und das Seigenhafe Liebesleben, Der Nachlungen, a German movie, apparently. Where's Roy in that one? I don't know. Uh, the Big Snatch. The adult <laughs> <laughs> the adult version of Jekyll and Hyde. Hyde spelled H-I-D-E. The Erotic Adventures of Zorro. The Suckers. Bummer. Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS, which is a notorious film. And it's actually the only film that Friedman is ashamed of being a part of. And he actually took his name off of the film. Johnny Firecloud. Seven into Snowy, Chorus Call, The Budding of Brie, Half the Action, Alexandra, Matinee Idol, Blonde Heat, The Case of the Maltese Dildo, and finally, Maltese Dildo, and finally, <laughs> Dashiell Hammett's masterpiece, yeah. <laughs> and finally, Teenage. Uh, Tupelo, which is lar- which is a largely forgotten 1995 film that was not an exploitation film or a sexploitation film, but it was actually an indie drama written and directed by John Michael McCarthy, who was a part of the 1990s independent film scene. He also did, God, what was that other film he did that is really cool and I can't remember off the top of my name where it's punks versus hippies. It might be, that's my phone going off. It might actually be called punks versus hippies. I don't know. What was that ringtone, Graham? That's the theme from Cannibal Ferox. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't even know that was available as a ringtone. Oh, I made it. Oh, long time, <laughs> long time listeners will remember our episode. Episode nine. Yes. Early, early episode. Um, so that's what David Freeman did. Herschel Gordon-Lewis went on to make these films. Moonshine Mountain, Monster A Go-Go, Sin, Suffer, and Repent, Jimmy the Boy Wonder, his first children's film, A Taste of Blood, The Gruesome Twosome, Something Weird, which is where Something Weird video gets its name from, The Girl, The Body, and The Pill, Blast Off Girls, The Magic Land of Mother Goose, his other children's film, She Devils on Wheels, which is one of my personal favorites, it's awesome, Um, The Alley Tramp, Suburban Roulette, Just for the Hell of It, How to Make a Doll, The Ecstasies of Women, which is his only nudie cutie, like uh, post-Blood Feast, Linda and Abilene, Miss Nymphitz Zappin, The Wizard of Gore, This Stuff Will Kill Ya, The Year of the Yahoo, Black Love, and his final film, uh, The Gore Gore Girls. So we should point out that Lewis left the film industry after The Gore Gore Girls in 1972. So I just want to put that in perspective. All those films I just listed, he made between 1964 and 1972. That's an eight-year period. He's a hard-working man. Yeah, just banging them out. But then again, he shot Color Me Blood Red in six days. So what does that say? He can do stuff good. Um, He actually would go back into advertising, which he worked in before uh, filmmaking, and he would go on to invent what he called the direct marketing method, which is now better known as junk mail. He is not only the godfather of gore, he is the godfather of junk mail. Oh, wow. (laughs) So with all that being said, 
We're going to go watch Blood Feast 2, and we'll come back to talk about it in a little bit. If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance. And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss. From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to j-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And we're back. Oh, yes. We're b- and, and I mean, like, it's been the longest gap. Uh, <laughs> we finally watched Blood the Feast se- <laughs> The seasons have changed. So, guys, to let you in on a, on a Literally. little... On a, yeah, it's now spring. We started recording this when it was winter. So um, when we recorded our intro, which now... It's actually technically winter still. For one day. I know, <laughs> spring is tomorrow. But the uh, the thing is, when we recorded this, and I I'm, I don't know where to like where I left off in my notes for, for Blood Feast 2, but when we recorded this, we sat down, we watched the DVD that I picked up secondhand at a, the great um, BMV here in Toronto that stands for Books, Music, and Video... Originally books, magazines, and video, but now it's books, music, and video uh, on Bloor Street uh, in the Annex neighborhood of Toronto. And um, and I was like, oh, cool, like Blood Feast 2, because it's been out of print for like 20 years. I'm like, awesome. So I bought it, and then we sat down, we put it on, we did our intro, it was all great. We were flying high on the uh, Herschel Gordon-Lewis series, mm-hmm. and then it froze at minute 35. Yes, it did. And we were like, oh, crap, what do we do? We couldn't like even skip past the scene. Yeah, like, yeah. We tried that. It just locked in. So then... I was like, no worries, guys. I'll go to... I checked out uh, the wonderful Bay Street video here in Toronto. They've got it on DVD. Rented that. We're going to watch it that weekend, but then we couldn't due to scheduling. Had to return it. Another week goes by. Then I rent it again. Uh, We sit down to watch it again. We're like, let's start from the beginning so that everything is fresh in our minds. They're wondering why you're running this twice. Yeah. Gets to the the 35-minute mark, and it freezes again. So it's clearly a defect in the disc, disc or... As we theorize that the 35 minute is the lingerie party. Yes, yeah, so there's a, something about this scene that maybe yeah. uh, people were pausing and yeah. going back to and revisiting more than other scenes. But it wasn't even that that tawdry, to be honest. It was pretty tawdry. For the early aughts, maybe. I mean, yeah, but like before yeah. the uh, real prolifera- proliferation of um, internet porn, I guess. Yeah. Um, so it froze and... Uh, Basically, we had to go to the gray market to find a copy, and we did. And uh, we decided not to start at 35, uh, to watch the whole way through, so we started right at that moment. Shout out to Fat <laughs> Freddy, by the way. Yeah, he was our hookup. Uh, <laughs> terrible name. Uh, terrible everything. But anyways, we finished watching it. Um, I think we can all agree it is not up to the standards of the prior three Blood films. It, it no. probably wasn't worth all the effort we yeah, put into, no, no. into watching the rest it, of it. It didn't suddenly swing up in the last <laughs> after the 35-minute mark. You're, it, you're like, we have to watch this. Yes, <laughs> we have to. We said we were going to do it. We must. We must. Um, so I don't know where I left off in the notes, um, but did I, did I talked about all the different films that Herschel Gordon-Lewis and David Freeman made in the interview. Yeah, 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 and I think we just we kind of led up to this. Was this yeah. his final film? Yeah, yeah, for both of them. I yeah, mean, when did he pass? He passed away on September 26, 2016. Oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, so he lived, he lived like, another almost a decade. And a, like, they shot this in, like, the early 2000s, like, 01 or 02. So, yeah, he lived basically another 15 years after this. And you said he wasn't, he just kind of didn't really promote this film or wasn't very proud of it. No, the the, the behind-the-scenes things is that were, he... Were the behind-the-scenes on that DVD were bad, though. Yeah, remember? it was awful. It was unwatchable. <laughs> we tried to watch the behind-the-scenes, and it just didn't give us any insight. It was just jerks being jerks on a movie set. And also, there was there was an interview with Herschel Gordon-Lewis that was just, like, filmed in somebody's kitchen. But, like, <laughs> but with, like, the fan running into yeah. the camera, so it just it was, like, a constant hum, and you couldn't even hear what he was saying. David Friedman, of course, makes an appearance in the film as well, as does John Waters, which I, I forgot about. About. John um, Waters does pick things up. A yeah, little. his his jokes is the the priest who's like hitting on it. Everything. It's 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 pretty much it's the great. most obvious Catholic priest jokes you could imagine coming from John Waters. But it's yeah, nice. So David Freeman he passed away on February fourteenth, oh Valentine's Day, twenty eleven. So he he passed away like a little under a decade after they shot this. Um, but uh, but yeah. Oh, also by the way, R.I.P. Scott Hall. Uh, that happened this week. Uh, oh yes. No, he wasn't in uh, this no. movie, but it'd be awesome if he was, though. Just like, hey, <laughs> yo, say say hello to the bad guy. Um, 
The uh, the the one cop there, the uh, David Loomis, sort of had a Scott Hall haircut a little bit. A little bit, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me bring up, I know I've got the cast in here. Yeah, that's uh, John McConnell who plays David Loomis. He, he's the most famous guy in this, aside yeah, from John Waters. Yeah, he's, he's the most, he has the most extensive uh, filmography. He has 98 film credits to his name. He was in Miller's Crossing. He's been yep. in a lot of stuff. He appeared in the Coen Brothers films Miller's Crossing, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, and The Lady Killers. He was in Quentin Tarantino's Django Unchained. He's very recognizable. He was also in the TV series. Treme, Steven Soderbergh's King of the Hill, Interview with the Vampire, and he had an 11-episode run on Roseanne in the early 90s. He also appeared in the 2005 Elvis miniseries starring that Irish guy. Um, and George Clooney directed him in Leatherheads in 2008. Unfortunately, he appeared in 2019's Roe v. Wade. That was the movie Ooh. Yeah, that nobody <laughs> wants to see. Starring Jamie Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike McLaughlin plays Detective Myers. He is one of the five... This is one of five acting credits for him. The others being a movie called Hometown Legend, a music video for a song called Crocodile, a short film titled Cliché, and a 2004 film called Freshman Orientation, which is a forgotten entry in the early 2000s wave of American Pie knockoffs. Um, and then who was the, uh, the Fuad Ramses? That's J.P. Uh, Del... Della, how's it say? How's how's it say? Um, <laughs> how's that said? <laughs> that pretty much is how his last name is is spelled. Uh, this is his second and last acting credit. The other being the film Paradise Falls in 1997 in the role of Delos. Yeah, mo- most of the people in this movie are not built for acting. Yeah, yeah. I do have to special shout out to the actress who played Trixie Treater. <laughs> yeah, the very strangest. Very interesting. Out. He's going to take me out. Her accent was, yeah, I guess he's yeah. got that Midwestern kind of Dutch accent. But. There's, there's, yeah, there's a bit of the Dutch. There's a bit of Baltimore in there. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't, um, I don't, ha- I don't have uh, a name for her. Oh, I know I do. Uh, it's Christy uh, Pulitz plays Trixie Treater. Oh, there was a line. Yeah. Um, I can't she, remember one of one of her line deliveries was just so bad. It was just like. Yeah, I can't was, remember what it was though, it now, because rough. that was uh, that was in the first half, so it, it yeah. was like a week, two well, weeks ago. Well, we should point out that like Herschel Gordon Lewis kind of disowned this film after it was made, which is like in the special features. There's like just that terrible interview with him from the from the pre-production period, and like there's no audio commentary with him. And this was the age of the audio audio commentary when this DVD came out. Um, you can still sense his touch, though, yeah, a little bit of humor, sure. yeah, the oven mitts for sure are part of it but like there are certain things where it's just like weird and not really Herschel Gordon Lewisy and I think all the tits maybe no I mean he did nudie cuties he did yeah but, but this but seems different he, he didn't really mix and match the two like he would cast a, a playmate a playboy playmate in his movie but he would never but in in the blood series but he you know she didn't disrobe so it's um it's a very very bizarre also another uh, important difference between his early work and this one um was the day for night yeah. They he, did Day for Night in this one. They never did it in the earlier ones. Yeah. Or if they did it, they just did it really well. Like a lot of the, yeah. It's like, like the worst Day for Night. Yeah. They just, they didn't even try to like adjust any kind of like exposure or not shoot the sky. They just kind of like. Makes it look Made it blue. blue yeah. Yeah. Midnight blue, which is terrible. Um, yeah. I have a feeling that like the producers kind of just ran, like ran rough shot over him because he didn't even do this, the soundtrack for it, which you would have assumed because just before this movie came out. Uh, there was he released an album, so you would have thought he would have done some music for it. Instead of it's all this like, well, they've got a soundtrack. Yeah. Who does the soundtrack? A band called Southern Culture on the Skids, which are basically just a off-brand version of the Cramps. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I dubbed the Crumps. The um, Crumps. Also yeah. got heavy use of uh, Butthole Surfer's Sweet Loaf. That was Sweat Loaf. Sweat Loaf. Sweat sorry, loaf. sorry. Yes. Which was a cover of. Black Sabbath's uh, Sweet Leaf. Yeah. Sweet Leaf, yes. Yeah. They're, they're ode to the marijuana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so this is an ode to bread, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is that like it's used whenever uh, the character of uh, Tiffany Lampley or... Um, her, her, no, no, actually, sorry, that's her mother, yeah. Who yeah, is... The, the Satan, Satan. Yeah. Which is from the intro to Sweat Loaf. Yeah, so let's let's run through all the the names of character female characters that are kind of cheeky. So Christy Brown plays Bambi Deer. Ha ha, the Bambi. Uh, Christina Cusienda plays Misty Morning. Misty Christ- Morning. Misty Morning. Yeah, Christy Pollitt plays Trixie Treater, and Michelle Miller plays Lacey Hundies. Which, well, if you say it quickly, also, sounds like Lacey Undies. Wasn't there oh. also a Candy Graham? Yeah, there was Candy Graham. I don't know who played her. But it's like, for all of these actresses, this is their only film role. Which is 
kind of sad because you you hope people do this being like this could be like the start of something for me and then it's like blood feast all you can eat blood feast too but you know what it traveled it played film festivals it opened up um also it was cool seeing in the uh thank yous on this uh they actually had toronto's own rue morgue listed as a thank you and i do recall i actually think i have it uh blood feast 2 was a cover story on rue morgue oh, they also have harry Knowles on the uh, yeah on the some of the thank yous ate, did not age well <laughs> well i mean they, this film premiered at uh, but numathon which was run by ana cool news and harry Knowles and the alamo draft house in austin texas in 2002 so yeah i mean this is a, this is a this is a weird one because i i almost feel like i don't want to go through the plot just because it was exhausting enough watching the, the, it the plot is basically the same as the first blood but feast, somehow dumber but d- dumber yes they include like gags like the uh, the dead husband mm-hmm. for example i don't know if you can explain the dead husband gag yeah so the husband uh, so, actually when they first introduced the mm-hmm. meek husband it is kind that's of funny, kinda funny yeah it's like I'm, I'm the husband and then he keeps on getting cut off by the yeah. uh, the mother who's mm-hmm. uh who has the Satan sound cue whenever she enters. Yeah, and then... Uh, for he's, some, really, he's the only male character that gets killed in the movie. Yeah, but and he dies by his own sword. Yeah, he accidentally kills himself when he's trying to kill the... Uh, his wife. Yeah. Which, for some reason, uh, Fuad Ramses III is watching through the window? He's planning on killing the wife, too. He wants yeah, to kill he, that, that, that woman the entire film. Long, yeah, Mrs. Lampley, like, for a long time. And she was also a uh, producer on the film. I guess we should also point out, uh, just plot-wise, Fuad Ramses inherits his grandfather's uh, catering business yeah. and is not an evil person when the movie starts. No, but then they, they also change it because apparently he becomes possessed. The The goddess Ishtar has a much, even though in the end we realize it's made of styrofoam, at the start of the film it's actually a much better statue than the Ishtar statue from the original Blood Feast, which, which was, was just a mannequin. Yeah. Um, and it looks good, but like he gets possessed by the glowing red eyes of of the of Ishtar, who we find out earlier on in the film actually caught. There's two bums that like get possessed by the. Oh, red, it starts off with the uh, two the bums, stoner yeah. bums, and uh, they get possessed by the red glowing eyes of Ishtar. Yeah, yes. they they look like white zombie roadies. These bums. Yes, I think we dubbed them. It was was it beige beige zombie or or eggshell zombie. Uh, off-white zombie. Yeah, off-white zombie. Off-white yeah. zombie, yeah, because that's what's playing during the lingerie party, which is actually the Light gray shower. zombie. Light gray zombie. Satin zombie. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, um, unlike the original film, which is just like it's going to be my daughter's birthday party and we want to hire a caterer, this one is my daughter's getting married and we want to hire a caterer for the reception because this small town is so limited. Um, and so they go to hire Fuad Ramsey's uh, just after he's been possessed by the goddess Ishtar. And I do like that the fact that in this one they eventually do point out that Ishtar is actually a Babylonian god and not a Egyptian god. Yeah, they correct themselves. Yeah. Also, a small detail, Fuad, when you first meet him, he's, I mean, he's just a normal-looking dude, yeah. but as soon as he gets possessed, he slicks back that yeah. hair. He's got the evil hair. So he's style. got the devil in there. Yeah. Um, so now, um, oh, what's her name? Tiffany Lampley is getting married and her fiance is actually the cop who it almost feels like halfway th- like a halfway through the movie they're like we should make them engaged like that he's the she's the he's the one that she's getting married to because imagine if they introduced another character like her fiance that would have like another half hour to the movie that's true and that did not mean no. another half hour but yeah that's another yeah. parallel to the original where the, uh, the lead detective is is dating the dating the, the, the main uh, girl but that lead detective is way more charming than this guy. Yeah, and there isn't, like, such a noticeable age gap where you're like, wow, yeah. this old-looking detective, yeah. although I'm sure he was only 30, but it was just uh, the hard it living is, of it. It's the era, the smoking and the drinking of the of the 60s. Being 30 made you look like you were 60 now. But, um, so they're getting, so they're getting married, and, but first, like, you know, the, the Mrs. Lampley is like, oh, I have to, like, you know, sign off on your cooking ability, so he has to, like, go and kill a bunch of people. And, like, everyone, he kills a bunch of women and like unlike the first one where he just kills random women in this film they're all part of the bridal shower or bridal party and um and at first like and the the young cop we should who we should point out his name is myers after michael myers um they um he he right away is like oh it's this guy and like it is he's right yeah um and every time but he's not using detective skills to no. do this oh, he's just a they really play up. He's just being a bumbling idiot. Yeah, but he's a bumbling idiot who's right. So you know, you know, a broken clock is right twice a day. Um, so, but like his his superior Loomis is just like no. And his superior, we should point out, he has the gag of like he's a, he's a larger fellow who likes to wear Hawaiian shirts. Yes, and he's eating something in every scene. Constantly eating. 
Yeah, it's usually eating very disgustingly. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the gag of, like, ha-ha, this guy likes to eat. Um, yeah, he's, like, eating all over the crime scenes, too. Mm-hmm. And this comes up later uh, where uh, where the Myers is like, oh, well, there was, uh, you know, uh, flour and powder. And powdered sugar, yeah. And uh, the Loomis is like, yeah, but I was eating powdered donuts all over that Maybe crime scene. Maybe. I just contaminated it <laughs> like a big idiot. And you're like, you're a cop. You should know not to contaminate a crime scene. It's not like you go through, like, oh, I've got this, like, marijuana I can just sprinkle everywhere. Um, yeah, it's it's a weird movie. Um, so eventually, there's a bunch of killings. There's a lot of pointless. The killings are pretty gnarly. Yeah, yeah. There's 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 a great scene where they use a uh, melon baller uh, to pluck out some eyeballs. There's that crazy scalping scene where like he uses a, a turkey an electric um, carving knife. Yeah, it's a scalping slash full on skinning scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like he rips her her hair off and it's attached to her face skin and it this pulls is Brandy her... Alexander. That he's... Yes, and which is a, a an alcoholic drink, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, dessert cocktail. Yes, and it like rips her whole face off and we see her screaming skinless face for a few seconds before she screaming passes. Screaming skinless face is the name of yeah. my new uh, band. Yeah, that's your death <laughs> your metal band. Your grindcore band. band yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> screaming skinless. What is it? Scra- the, the, the screaming skinless faces will be yes. called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Named after the Cannibal Corpse song. Yeah. Oh, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's like, because they, so the cops go, and like, there's nothing charming like in the original film where like they, they, he go where the the detective goes to like a, a lecture on Egyptian history and gets a book on on the history of like weird what is it weird religions and stuff. Yeah, this movie never attempts to be smart. Yeah, which is kind of a bummer. Like it's it's very much an early two thousands movie where it's like, oh, we got it like you know like American Pie is huge and boner comedies are huge, so we gotta like we're gonna ape that and we're not even gonna try to to like look bold. They they don't do the thing that is important with a good camp movie, which is like they don't take it seriously. There's no sincerity. It's just like we know we're in a silly movie, well, so we I'm never, gonna overact. Yeah, we yeah. never even finished the uh, the hus- the dead husband gag. Oh right, sorry. So but so, like yeah, he accidentally kills himself. But then nobody notices to the point where his dead body keeps on showing up in scenes. Yeah. Ra- who knows Randomly. how this uh, dead body... It's even uh, at the wedding. It's clad in a tuxedo. Yeah. Um, it's at Fuad Ramsey's when they're investigating it for clues. And they just step over the body. Yeah. And they're like, well, nothing here. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, I guess that's the gag. But yeah. they never really... It doesn't really hit. No. And there's also like side plots like that weird prisoner that they arrest who's in like a, a cheap off-brand Hamburglar costume. <laughs> yes. Um, who oh, then yeah. winds up at the wedding dancing with like a, the, the cop, one of the cops. One of the female yeah. cops. And it calls the other cop a sugar puss. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the secretary? The secretary, yeah, yeah. yeah. Who's the smartest person in the room. That's the always the gag with her, too. Is she yeah. smarter than the two detectives? Yeah, she's the one that says, like, but even she-, she has to do a nude scene. Every woman yeah. in this movie, except for the mother, has to show yeah. her tips. And the, uh, and the fiancé. And the fiancé, that's true. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a very, very bizarre... I keep saying bizarre film, but that's not even the right... Like, it's... I'd say it, but there's, like, a lot of laziness to this film. It's a cheap film. Yeah, and it's, like... The one thing is, like, you could say a lot of stuff about Herschel Gordon-Lewis's other works, but Lazy is not one of them. They they were made cheaply, but they were they, they were made inexpensively, but they never felt cheap. Yeah, even that that lingerie scene when we finally got to it, which is a bridal shower, and they're just yeah. trying on lingerie. Wasn't that And great. then, like, I don't know, giving each other massages, and it's like the setup for some, like, uh, porno. But then, uh, uh, what's-his-face arrives with his oven Ford mitts. Ramsey's Ramsey's yeah. third with his oven mitts for some reason. Which appear and disappear throughout the film. I have a feeling it was a running gag that they like only came upon, and because they clearly shot the film, like like every film is shot out of sequence. So they clearly did it. So at some point, someone's like, "Oh, it'd be funny if he was wearing oven mitts." So then they shot all all those rest of the scenes with him wearing oven mitts. But because they shot the film out of sequence, it doesn't. It's not a follow through. It's never set up or paid off with. There's a, the one funny gag with it. I think is um, when they're they're at uh, Trixie Treater's house and uh, they find the skinned. Woman. Brandy Alexander and uh, Loomis is like he's he's looking around and he's like well I don't know who this killer is but he sure doesn't leave a lot of clues meanwhile he's he's wiping his brow with an oven mitt that's uh, covered in blood funny it got a uh, chuckle out of me yeah 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 so I'm gonna talk about some some behind the scenes stuff um, you're not you're not gonna talk about the cum brulee no we're not <laughs> no we're not so this this movie's filled with a lot of tasteless jokes yeah just and just you can kind of uh, you can kind of guess. Yeah, what happens with that? 
I mean, they do the Swedish berries that were made out of like some girl whose background was Swedish. I don't know. No, she wasn't Swedish, it turns out, because oh. he asked her if she was Swedish. And then he's like, well, it's all in the sauce anyway. It doesn't yeah. matter. Um, and then, yeah. yeah, the cop eats the Swedish berries. And he just drips blood out of his mouth blood is all like, over his shirt. It's like he just went to a dentist appointment. And didn't have any gauze. Yeah, yeah. It's just blood dripping from his mouth onto his shirt. He does not seem to notice. No, because that's funny. I mean, it was kind of funny. But, but like the finger sandwich gag as well. Yeah, was... that one didn't land. I, I did. Because, like, wouldn't there be bone in those fingers? And also he left the nails on the fingers. It's, yeah. Well, even when we get to the actual wedding, mm-hmm. uh, um, the, the catering, like, there's full on, like, here's a human hand. And then um, that's uh, the, the Friedman gag. Uh, he, like, picks up the hand and he's like, oh, I think this is some. Uh, I, I... I think he nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? There's some eye puns as well. Yeah. Their eyes being served as orders. I'll keep an eye out for her. Well, no, I actually don't think they did that. That'd be funny. There are plenty of, of, of gags. Yeah. Like the one where he's like, uh, Oh, I don't want you to uh, uh, eat the main course. I want you to be, be the, the main, main yeah. course, which isn't even a good pun. And then he puts her hand through the, the meat grinder. Yeah. All I wanted was just like, it's going to be a pleasure serving you. But we didn't even get that. Um, <laughs> this movie's not clever enough for that. No. Um, all right. So Blood Feast 2 was written by W. Boyd F- Ford. Uh, this is only one of two writing credits for Ford. The other... I, I'm- not surprised. Yeah, the other being two episodes of a TV series called Hear Me Out in 2014. Um, he's best known for doing uh, craft services on the softcore TV series Hotel Erotica and its direct-to-video spinoff, Hotel Erotica Up All Night. I think I might have said this before, but I'll keep going. Do you guys remember me talking about this guy? I don't remember this. Okay. No. Um, he's currently working in the video playback department and as a video assist on the TV series The Thing About Pam. Whatever that is. Uh, the film was produced by a lot of Isn't people. Isn't the thing about Pam that Renee Zellweger miniseries? Oh my god, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interesting thing, but like, and I should point out, video assist does not mean he's involved with the cameras. He is the one that runs the cables from the from the cameras to the monitors for people to watch. So there's no creativity involved at all. Um, the film was produced by a lot of people. There are four credited associate producers, including Something Weird Videos' Mike Vrainy. Six co-producers, including actors Melissa Morgan, who plays Mrs. Lampley, Penelope Helmer, who plays Pippi the Cop. She's the one that uh, starts dancing with the the escaped Convict, criminal yeah. at the wedding. Uh, it's her only acting role. She's worked extensively as a camera assistant, including on the TV show Hotel Erotica, tying it back into um, Hotel Erotica. Uh, David Friedman is credited as an executive producer, and the only credited producer uh, is Jack Jackie Lee Morgan, who also produced Larry Clark's Bully, Hotel Erotica, the 2005 Elvis miniseries, the movie It, it Waiting. all comes back to Hotel Erotica. I know. It's all tied in there. The movie Waiting, starring Ryan Reynolds, um, as well as a bunch of other crap. Uh, it's clear that this was Jackie Lee Morgan's production, as he essentially hired all the crew, including Ford, to write the script, and then two years later hired the same crew back to work on Hotel Erotica. It could even be said that it that the addition of all the nudity in Blood Feast 2 versus Blood Feast 1 might have been used as a sizzle reel to pitch to Hotel Erotica, which wouldn't surprise me. I would guess so, yes. Um, Probably using the DVDs that we uh, we, 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 <laughs> we tried to yeah. acquire, yeah. Yeah. I've never seen Hotel Erotica, I'm, so I'm not, I'm not really up to speed on his production, so I don't know what it's like. Um, but yeah, that's all the notes I have for behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, and at the end, at the end of the day, like, they get... Me- <sighs> Uh, the the cop and the girl get married, but then they realize. So at a certain point, oh, they yeah. When they first go to uh, Fuad Ramsey's for a full investigation, mm-hmm. the the thing is that Loomis does not believe that Fu- Fuad is the killer. He's uh, he's like, no, no, it's gonna be organ. It's gonna be Russian uh, organ, organ harvesters, harvesters or something like that. You're you're crazy. You're you're stuck mm-hmm. on this Fuad guy, but it's not him. Yeah, and then they, that changes completely. That changes because he actually comes. So they come back after seeing the statue of the goddess Ishtar, which now has brainwashed Loomis, or not Loomis, but Myers, to now go to a sex shop for some reason and buy dildos. It, it makes them both horny, because this is also yeah. Loomis has the fantasy of the, the secretary right, right, uh, right. taking her top off. Yeah. Um, so he actually, she... There's a lot of like uh, sound effects like boing and, yeah. like, and stuff <laughs> like that. That's very silly. Yeah. So uh, basically she tells him, because like, he brings up like, oh yeah, Ishtar, he's got a statue of the Ishtar, this Egyptian goddess, and this is where the secretary actually tells him, no, Ishtar is actually Babylonian. He's like, oh, okay. And she's like, yeah, a lot of people make that mistake. It's kind of like as a, hey, we know Ishtar is Babylonian, not Egyptian. Um, and then he Googles Ishtar 
on the computer. And I, I don't think he actually Googles. No, it's probably like Alta Vista. <laughs> he searched through Alta Vista or Yahoo or something. Ask Maybe. Jeeves. Yeah. And found out that part of people who worship Ishtar is doing a, uh, a blood feast or a feast of people. And he's like, oh my God, it is the caterer. And then from then on, he's like full on, it's Fuad Ramses. He's killing all these people. And now Myers, who was so obsessed with him before, is like, no, come on, get off it. It's not true. Um, they get to the they get to the the wedding reception and everybody just loves their feast. Um, yeah, even even Loomis, who is uh, very suspicious of Fuad, is like, still, I'm still eating yeah, his food. Exactly, it's still good. I might think I know where it comes from, but until I'm sure, it's all going in my belly. But um, and and mm-hmm. never a consideration to postpone or call off the wedding when all of the wedding guests are uh, killed in grisly manners. Yeah. But that yeah. it's not that kind of film where you would even consider that. No, of course not. Um, so this this is the great scene where John Waters is in it, and it's actually pretty funny because like he's trying to rush through the wedding ceremony, and then he's just like, "All right, you may kiss the bride." And um, Tiffany is just like, "Shouldn't we say I do?" He's like, "Yeah, say it. You, you, yeah, go do it." <laughs> um, and then he like the funny thing is like as they're walking down the aisle, there's actually a pillar in the aisle. Which this was a clever joke, the pillar in the aisle that kind of got in the way of them walking down. Also, the mother uh, insists on leaving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and then John Waters talking to like, there he has three conversations. He has a conversation with like a, an adult man who's like, you know, and he's like, oh, I think I saw you on mass last week. And the guy's like, yeah, I always thought about becoming an altar boy. And John Waters is like, well, you still can. Why don't you come over to my place and we'll talk about it. Bring your bathing suit. And he's like, should I bring anything? He's like, yeah, just bring your bathing suit. I got some beer. And you're like, <laughs> okay, all right. And then there is a, a man I guess kind of dressed in drag. Yeah, he's like, basically a man in drag. Yeah. It's it's like a big burly guy with pigtails. Yeah, and he's like, and he comes over and says like, "Father, I'd like to talk to you about conversion." And he's like, "I think you already have, son." Uh, and then the two twins. And then the two little boys, where it's like, "Do you know what hell is?" And like, "No." It's like, "Oh, it's a really bad place. So you should always stick around priests." But <laughs> I'm. Yeah, yeah. John Waters going hard on those all of the Catholic jokes. So yeah. That was the best part of the movie. And then basically it ends up with uh, the mother dies because... Uh, oh, well, she doesn't die right away. No, uh, Fuad is like, oh, you got to sign that check me. at my place. Yeah. For some reason, she has to go to his place yeah. to sign the check. Doesn't and make so sense. she does. And then Loomis goes in hot pursuit. And then Myers wants to go pursue pursue as well. And then and his it, new... And then his new wife's like, we're married. I'm, I'm, I go where you go. So they all go to the the catering shop which by the way is not the same catering shop from 1963 which of course it's it's 40 years later it's just some random hardware store yeah it's it's clearly a hardware store there's it's like clearly, nails on the wall yeah they didn't even remove the nails or the, like the pegboards or there was a like can that. of turpentine on the counter <laughs> just this movie also uh sometimes dips into just zany comedy yeah like the uh remember the um the weather scene oh yeah where all of a sudden it's like uh, Loomis becomes a weatherman. Uh, yeah, so he's he like to... sitting at his desk talking about like weather, and it's like, no, there's something coming in from the southeast. There's no chance of rain. And then he gets up and walks over to a map on the wall where they've got like a weather like forecast painted on it for some. Yeah, they they this movie was trying to be trying to be all things to everybody and wound up being nothing to no one. What? Um, I, oh, anyway, well, we should finish the plot. But I think what it did well mm-hmm. was the gore. Yes, the gore was quite good. Uh, so and that's probably Herschel Gordon Lewis's special. Yeah, touch. yeah, yeah. And the the jokes with the husband trying to talk and not being able to was funny. Yeah, at the start, but yeah. then just his body cropping up was not as funny yeah. as I think some people thought it would be. It'd be funny if it's in every scene. Ho ho ho! And nobody notices it. It's at the wedding reception. People have to step over it while they're dancing. Yeah. I'm sure, all the actors were like, "What's this guy doing?" It's, like, it's, it's a joke. Don't worry. When you see the movie, you'll know. It'll be so good. I do like that um, uh, the, there was some uh, thought of makeup artistry to make him look even more like dead, he's like, eight, yeah, like yeah. he'd been, uh, he's decaying, been decaying a few yeah. days. So we're back at Fuad Ramses's um, catering company, and he's trying to get Mrs. Lampley to sign. He ties her to a chair, and then he's like, I'm going to sacrifice you to Ishtar, you old bitch. He puts a bucket over her head. Yeah, it's and funny. banging it with a spoon for some reason. And then... Uh, the cops uh, show up with Tiffany. They go in, and Loomis tries to shoot, but can't because his gun is empty because he's never loaded it. And then Myers is under the possession of Ishtar, so he can't shoot. So Loomis takes Myers' gun, shoots uh, Ramses a ton of times, including in the head, which is, this is surprisingly like the least bloody of any scene. I figured there'd be like geysers of blood coming out of him. So he falls down dead, and, and it's like, okay, he's dead, but you know Myers is possessed by Ishtar, so he goes and gets two, like, um, skewers for shish kebabs and jams it into the Mrs. Lampley's also. eyes and she dies although she, black bile comes out yeah. not red blood Satan Satan yeah I'm sure I think this is the part where they ran out of blood 
I think this is the part where they just gave up on the story because they were clearly <laughs> trying to mean that like, oh, she has black blood, therefore she is like evil or the devil or something, and it just didn't. Yeah, work. like it feels like that was an unlike she could have been Ishtar or something like that. Yeah, but they never they never touched on nope. it, finished it. And so then, um, I was keep wanting to call her Trixie, but it's Tiffany, like, uh, Loomis tells her, like, oh, I'm out of bullets, like, push the statue over, you gotta break the statue to, like, break the curse. And she does, but it falls on top of Myers, and his brains fall out. Literally knocks his brains out, yes. Yeah, and the Ishtar statue cracks, and then he basically, Loomis tells her, like, I'll be your friend forever, and they leave to go get pancakes. The end. Yeah. Finn. And that was, sadly... Blood Feast 2. All you can eat. Yes. Phil, what are your final thoughts on Blood Feast 2? (laughs) Not good. Um, Yeah, everything about this movie is just really inept except for the gore, as we mentioned. Like, that's that's at least, you know, clever and uh, extremely over-the-top grotesque. But, yeah, generally the jokes just kind of land with a thud and um, just poorly structured, poorly paced. uh, Mm Mm-hmm really horrible looking visually yeah um, none of the charm of like the uh the 60s no. 35 millimeter color not photography. at all no. no yeah it's it's a long 90 minutes yeah cool so yeah. not a recommend yeah not a recommend uh yeah just pretend that this one doesn't exist and just watch <laughs> yeah. the first three of the blood films or any other hirsch gordon lewis film blast off girls is great just yeah. for the hell of it is great i haven't seen it but i'll take your word for yeah. it yeah she doubles on wheels is super fun we're going to do that in the future yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to it cool kit what is your final thoughts on blood feast 2 all you can eat yeah well i think i already mentioned them the gore is good and john waters edition is his cameo is fun uh, but yeah, this is for uh, Gordon Herschel Lewis completionist. Gordon Herschel Lewis? Oh my god, what Herschel- did I say? Herschel Gordon Lewis, <laughs> how could I mess that up? We've only done three movies by him. <laughs> anyway, this is for uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis completionists only. And even then, you could just, as Phil said, pretend it doesn't exist. I think Herschel Gordon Lewis did. Yeah, oh he did for the rest of his life, yeah. Um, and for my final thought, eh, just watch something else. <laughs> There's Herschel Gordon Lewis made a lot of other films. You can watch any of them and have a much better time. I'm still trying to track down Blast Off Girls because that movie looks dope. Um, I haven't seen it, but uh, but just for the hell of it, and She Devils on Wheels is super fun. There's like a ton more. Yeah, I, I've barely even scratched the surface of of the Herschel Gordon Lewis box that I have. I really want to watch A Taste of Blood that he made, uh, which is about a vampire, which I can't. Like I'm thrilled to see a seventies nineteen seventies vampire film directed by Hirsch Gordon Lewis. It's gonna be yes. fun. Uh but yeah, so this is you know, we kinda go out with more of a whimper than a bang, especially after the the three attempt prior attempts to watch this movie. We got it done. Yes, it happened. Uh so we'll be back next week. Hopefully next week. Hopefully we're getting back to a weekly schedule if I can just get around to editing all these episodes. Um with the first part of our Mario Bava series. We're gonna be watching Mario Bava's Danger Diabolic. So, for Death by Video, I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I'm Sil Graham saying thank you so much for listening. Please keep watching amazing movies. Good night. Satan! 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 Satan!